We are kicking off a brand new series of messages today called For the Family, and I'm excited about what God wants to do. Uh, I want to let you know that even in this season where there's a lot of people who are joining us online, that we are still caring about your family and investing in your family. I know many of you aren't able to bring your kids here, but we have kids curriculum and kids videos and kids content that is being produced every week. So right now, while you're watching this message, your kids can be, be, be blessed by the word of God, and you can just go to our website and check that out. We also have something special we want to do with our families and for your family uh, that you'll find out about tomorrow. Just check our Facebook page or Instagram. or We have a special uh, Facebook group on our page just for families and parents, and we're going to have some fun stuff on there this month that I want to encourage you to check out. And also... I want to let you know how we're going to end the year because uh, our last in-person gathering is going to be on Christmas Eve. We've got three Christmas Eve services this year, one on Christmas Eve Eve, the 23rd, that'll be at 7 p.m., then two on Christmas Eve at 3.30 and 5. And the way we're doing Christmas Eve this year is you'll be able to reserve a ticket and a seat. A very, so not just pre-register to come, but you'll be able to pick out your seat know how many are in your group and who's sitting with you and be able to have that at the door. We'll get you right to the seat that you reserved. And that's even open today. So look on our social media for that. And then we're going to close out the year with that. December 27th is a Sunday. That'll be online only. And then we'll be back January 3rd. And we're going to be at our West location for a while, probably through January. We'll let you know when we go back to our downtown location. But I'm excited about today because... I've wanted to preach on this subject for a while, and I want to tell you how it came about because I knew I wanted to share this all the way back last year, uh, and the, the way it happened is every year around this time of year, I pray and I seek God, and I pray about the next year and what God wants to do in me and through me. I pray for our church. I pray for you. I pray for you, many of you specifically by name and what God wants to do in your life, and I ask God for a word. I don't mean like a, a prophetic word. I mean a very practical word that God wants to build in my life and help me frame and focus my year. And if you're new to our church, I encourage everybody to do this. This is a great way just to seek God and to hear him in a small thing so that when you need to hear him about something bigger, you've already done the work. And just to ask God, God, what's a word you want to build in my life this next year? So my word for 2020 was family. And of course, when God gave me this word, I had no idea how the 2020 was going to go or any of these things, how it was all going to play out. All it does is it helps me frame and focus and keep my eyes open to what God would want to say to me and gives emphasis to my prayer. So I remember January this year, I'm, I've got my word for the year, I'm thinking family, and I'm looking at my schedule, and I've got more travel planned this year than any other year prior. I've, I've got more activities on my plate than any other year prior. I've got more responsibilities and relationships that I need to invest in. And I don't want to paint the picture that COVID has been some blessing in disguise and it's made life easier. It hasn't. It's made things really hard. That's why you need to pray for me and, and pray for our church because we pray for you. And I know that this has not been easy on anybody. It's made things, things really hard. But what has happened by having this word to focus on, it, it's made my focus clearer. In this season where it seemed really hard to know if you're winning, to, to, to measure if you're making progress, and 
they tell me I'm a three on the Enneagram. I don't know what that means. I just know that I like to keep score, okay? I like to know if there's something I can measure that is helping me move forward. And let's be honest, in this year, it's been really hard to know, are the things that I'm doing making a difference? Is what I'm doing, does it matter? Is it helping me move forward? How can I know if I'm winning? And by having this word, it helped me realize that the one place that you can win this year is within your family. The, the one place where you can make some investments that are going to pay dividends are within your family. And so I want to share some things that God has showed me over this past year and in this season. And what I want to help you do, the point of this message, is to help you serve your family well. I don't just mean like during COVID season. I, I mean right now in this holiday season. I'm going to give you some practical things that are going to help you serve your family well. I want to help you win from within. I want to give you help for your home. And, you know, whether COVID would go away tomorrow or whether we would still be in the same boat next year, this is going to be stuff that's going to help you regardless of where you're at. And I'm setting this all up to help you understand that what I'm going to share with you, this is personal for me. This is personal, not just, and it should always be personal. Whenever you're God uses you to give a message. The stuff that happens in your life, it is not about you. It is for somebody else, but God allows you to go through it so you can help somebody else. It should always be personal when God uses you. And, you know, sometimes people ask, like, well, how long did it take you to write that sermon? This one has taken me 38 years, okay? Because that's how long it's taken God to make me. And what God does in your life, it, it, it should come from a personal place. And I just, I'm trying to help you understand, I'm not up here just trying to give you a message today, right? This isn't just a cute little sermon in a series, little Christmas message. No, I really want to help you succeed in this season. I want to give you something that's going to end 2020 with a highlight. So I want to read our scripture to you. And this is a Christmas passage. You've probably heard this passage many times before. It's a very famous passage but I promise you, you've never heard it like this. And I bet you've never heard a message preached from this text because what I'm going to share with you, usually this is like the window dressing, like this is just the context to get to what people want to talk about. But I'm going to read the first five verses in Luke chapter two. And God's going to use this to encourage you today. Are you ready to be encouraged? You're ready to be encouraged? Just type it in the chat. I'm ready to be encouraged. And I'm reading to you from a new translation. I've never used this translation before. If you don't, I'm kind of like a Bible junkie. I like to see the Bible in lots of different translations. I found this one. I didn't know it existed until this week. It's called the Easy English Translation. How many of you like something easy? <laughs> this is an easy, easy translation. And uh, sometimes people ask, well, what's the best translation of the Bible? Well, the best one is the one that you understand. So just find one that you can read that speaks to you. And so this one you might like, you might check it out. It's on you version, the easy English. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, at that time, Caesar Augustus was ruling the whole Roman world. He made a law and told his men, count everyone who lives in the Roman world. This was the first time that the Romans had made a list of everyone's names. Quirinius was the Roman ruler of Syria when it happened, and everyone went to his hometown for the Romans to count them. So Joseph went to his hometown, Bethlehem. He was living in the town called Nazareth in Galilee. Bethlehem was in Judea, 
King David had been born there, so Bethlehem was called the town of David. And Joseph belonged to the family of David, so that's why he went to Bethlehem. And Joseph took Mary with him so that the Romans could count them. And she went because she had promised to marry him. She was going to have a baby. I want to give this to you the same way that God gave it to me. The word that I believe God has for you today is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's the title of my message. Someone is counting on you. Someone is counting on you. And I always preach a little better when I get some help from you and even online, those of you who are watching. So I need you to help me preach this this morning. If you came in with somebody today, only if you came in with them, we got to keep this touchless. If you came in with somebody, just, you know, punch them in the shoulder with all your might and tell them someone is counting on you today. Someone is counting on you. Gen you give a COVID elbow, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, if you're by yourself, you didn't bring anybody, invite somebody. Then you get to participate in the sermon a little bit. Type that in the chat. Someone's counting on you. Hey, it's always my custom to pray before we get into God's word. And I would ask that you'd pray with me. Let's bow our head and go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for this opportunity to receive from you and receive from your word. God, use me today. Speak through me. Let this be your word going forth. Let it change lives in Jesus' name. We believe it. We receive it. And everybody who agrees with that can say in Jesus' name, amen. I feel like I'm always kind of landing in the middle. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, I'm being pulled in different directions, and, you know, sometimes when you're pulled in two different directions, you just kind of, you don't do either one well. You just kind of land somewhere in the middle. And it's like, I want to be a great dad, but I can't always be a great dad because inevitably somebody needs me to be something else to them. How many of you can relate? I feel pulled in all these different directions that I end up falling short. It's like as soon as I get home, my kids want all my attention. Like they're, I walk in the door, all of them come running, dad, and they want to talk to me. That's a great thing. The only problem is my wife wants my attention too. To top it off, in this year of COVID, where work, roles, and responsibilities the lines have been blurred on what your job description is. I usually feel like I'm trying to wrap up three things before I walk in the door. So you got to understand, like my wife and I, we have this little deal where before I walk in the door, I try and put my phone down so that when I walk in, I'm not distracted. I can give her or my kids all my attention. And I also have this deal where like I got to be home at the same time every day. The only problem is I'm usually wrapping up 500 other things from the day when I get in. So what I do is I pull into the garage or I pull into the driveway and I stay in the garage or driveway until I walk in the door because I'm trying to cheat the system. Like I'm home at the right time, but I got to wrap stuff up, but I'm not in the door with my phone. Henry happen to have a pastor that tries to cheat the system. Don't raise your hand. I'm not proud of that fact. And I'm not saying this to you <laughs> to make you feel sorry for me, get your pity or not complaining about the things on my plate, I'm, just, I'm saying sometimes it seems like there's not enough of me to go around, and I'm only bringing that up because I know that you can relate to that too. You feel like everybody needs something from you, and there's not enough of you to go around. In fact, there's some of you that when I told you the title of my message, you almost got a little bit offended. 
It's like someone's counting on me. Yeah, thanks, Pastor. I don't need that reminder. I know people are counting on me. That's the problem. That's the reason that my holiday is not happy because everybody's counting on me and there's not enough of me to make everything happen. So thanks for the reminder. It's just so much pressure to perform. I talked to a friend of mine this week and he doesn't live here. His grandma lives here and he was telling me, man, I got to got to get back up there because I want to see my grandma. She's not doing well health. And I mean, this might be the last chance I get to see her, but I can't come see her because if I come, I have to fly. And if I fly, I'm from out of state. I can't see her because of the restrictions of where she's staying. And because I'm concerned about her, like, I don't really want to see her, but I do want to see her. And this is a picture of how most of us live. How do I know if I'm doing the right thing? Because what I want to do and what I need to do and what I should do doesn't always line up with what I can do. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Well, I want to help you with that today because I saw some things in this passage that God really used to encourage me. I believe he's going to use them to encourage you today. And I want to start by just lightening your burden a little bit. I just want to lift the load off of you this morning. Because as much as there's some things that you want to do and not everything lines up with what you want to do, let me just free you to accept the fact that sometimes the choice is already made for you. You know, like, it'd be great to meet at the art center, our other location, but the choice was made for us. Even if we want to, we can't. There are some times in life the choice is just made for you, and it might not be what you want. It might not be what you would choose, but it'll free you just to accept the fact that the choice has been made for you. Some things you can't choose. See, that's what's happening in this text, because Joseph and Mary, they didn't choose to go to Bethlehem. That wasn't their choice. This was a government mandate that every family had to go back because of the census. You see, in this day, the, during the reign of Augustus, the Roman Empire was reorganizing their administration. And so as part of this reorganization, they said, hey, what we need to do is we need to get account of all the people because we need to tax them. It's like all of you business owners doing your end of year budgets and projections for the next year. They're like, hey, we need, to, we need to do some projections here. We need to budget. We need to tax these people. I'm trying to help you see this wasn't like a leisurely visit to the relatives over the holidays. No, this was something they didn't have a choice. They had to go back to Bethlehem. And you know this couldn't have been easy. I mean, we know just from the context, the places where they're traveling from, where they're traveling to, it would have been roughly a week's journey. Okay, we get that. It was on foot. We get that. But here's the other thing. We know it wasn't easy because the scripture tells us Mary was expecting a baby. In fact, I like the way the King James Version says it. It says that she was great with child. You know what that means? Great with child? It means she, she big, okay? She, she's very pregnant, she is very pregnant. And uh, I'm not speaking from experience here, but I'm quoting my wife. When you are very pregnant, everything is more difficult. Everything, like, like it, it's hard enough when you're pregnant. But when you're very pregnant, making a trip like this is not easy. And, and, and so she is very pregnant. And to make it one step further, got to imagine this. She's pregnant with God's baby. 
all, all the women who've ever been pregnant, like, you know, with your first pregnancy, like, you're kind of anxious about stuff. You're trying to eat right. You're trying to, like, you're monitoring everything. You're trying to make sure, like, that every, every time, like, man, am I taking care of this child in, front, in, in me? Now put this in perspective, it's God's baby. You, you, you think you're not anxious about anything? I mean, she's got the perfect, sinless son of God that she is carrying. Mary is pregnant with perfection. I almost called this message expecting perfection. Expecting perfection. Because that's the tension in this passage. The, the, the tension isn't that they got to make a trip. Everybody has to make a trip. Every single person in the Roman Empire had to make a trip. The tension is that she's expecting perfection. And I wonder if that's the tension in your in my life. Every situation you and I are going into, we're carrying this ideal image of what it should be. I'm expecting perfection. Now, none of us would ever say that out loud because we know that perfection doesn't exist. We, we, we know that that's not reality, but that doesn't keep us from operating with that expectation. I want to... You know, I, I want to do this. I got to be here. I've got this deadline, but I want to go to my kid's basketball game. But I want to create this awesome Pinterest Christmas event. And I want to post it on interest, uh, on Instagram. And I, I want to have all these great decorations. And I've got to be there for family. But I got three families that I got to go to. And there's restrictions. And I don't have money. And there's all this Christmas presents. Expecting perfection. Man, nothing will suck the joy out of the Christmas season like expecting perfection. That is not a burden you were meant to carry. This, like, this is what it's like, you know, when, when you're expecting perfection and you get that Christmas card in the mail from family or friends, that doesn't bring joy to your heart. You know what it does? All it does is remind you that you didn't send out a Christmas card this year. That's all it does. That steals your joy. And let me just tell you, when you get those Christmas cards, that is the biggest lie you will ever see. That is not a picture of reality. That, that, that is a snapshot, a momentary fragment of time. That is not at all what happened. Expecting perfection. That's the tension. I just want to help you. Most attention in your life would go away if you gave yourself permission to stop expecting perfection the same way that Mary was. Because the truth is there was only one perfect person ever in the history of humanity. That was Jesus. Jesus was the only perfect person. And maybe it would free you to know that even the perfect person didn't have a perfect family. Think about this. The irony of the Christmas story is never lost on me. Because what I'm always struck by is why God chose to do it this way. You know what I mean? Like, I know Jesus being born was the fulfillment of prophecy. I, I know the reason that Christ was born was so that God's word would be fulfilled. I get that. But what I'm trying to say is, why did God choose to do it this way? Because I'm, I'm sure he could have done it another way. Like, I'm sure if he wanted to, he could have chosen to send Jesus from heaven straight to earth, wrapped in human flesh, with no family attachment. I'm, I'm sure he could have sent Jesus to earth completely divine, fully God, 
and fully man, and yet no family attachment. I think he could have done that. But God chose to bring perfection to the world through a family. And what's interesting is that this family, if you know anything about them, was anything but perfect. Even the perfect person didn't have a perfect family. I mean, just consider the circumstances of the scenario for a moment. I mean, this is not ideal. You, you've got essentially what's happening here in this text. You have a pregnant teenager with no husband. And that's the story. That's the headline. This is not the ideal family scenario on the Christmas card. This looks like the rumor mill. This looks like scandal. And even if you think, oh, well, that's not that big a deal, consider Joseph's family tree. Because that's the reason that they're going back here in the first place, was Joseph's family tree. <laughs> you, look at his, you look at his family, his, this is not where you go to Ancestry.com and you brag about who you found out you're connected with. This is not the scenario. Yes, he's related to David, but do you want to know how he's related to David? Adultery. That's his branch of the family tree. David had an affair. Oh, and then to cover up the affair, he killed her husband. And out of that relationship brought forth Solomon. And Solomon, many generations later, brought forth the family of Joseph. That's the family tree that we're looking at. And if you say, like, okay, well, let's go a little further than that, because that's what Luke does in the next chapter, chapter 3. He lists out the whole genealogy of Jesus and Joseph. And what you find is that the people in the family tree, yeah, it was idolaters, pagans, murderers, prostitutes, all sorts of people. There was scandal, all sorts of people that fell short of God's best. And yet, this is the setting that God said, I want to bring my perfect son into. And so I know you've got things in your family. I, I know you've got drama that you wish wasn't there. I, I know there's some things that you're wrestling through and that you're working out. I know you've got some things that you're praying about and you're asking for God's help with. I, I guess what I'm trying to help you see this morning is that while no family is perfect, every family is precious. Every family is precious. And I'm just trying to tell you this like God showed it to me because, you see, every family had to go back to their hometown to be counted. Every family, regardless of size, regardless of makeup, regardless of status, regardless of whether they were wealthy or poor, regardless of whether they had had a great year or had a bad year, regardless of all the interactions within the family, every family had to go back to be counted. And every family counts to God too. I know it might not be the situation that you want, but your family matters to God. I, I know things might not have played out the way that you wanted, but your family matters to God. I know Christmas this season might not look like you expected, but your family matters to God. I know the news you received isn't what you wanted to hear, but your family matters to God. 
I, I can hear some of you already, you're, you're typing in the chat, it's like, hey, this, that's great, Pastor. I'm glad we're talking about families. I, I'm glad that we got a series for the family, but can I just tell you, I don't have a family. I don't have a family. My parents abandoned me. My child died. My siblings excommunicated me. I don't have a family. Great, I'm glad we're talking about families, but however you want to define that, I don't have one. And that's why I need you to see this next thing, because I know there's a lot of things that have happened in your life that you wouldn't choose. I know you might not have chose the situation you're in currently. I know that you didn't choose to have that divorce. I know you didn't choose for that person to leave your life. I know you didn't choose for that relationship to end. I know you didn't choose for that person to die. I know you didn't choose to be shut out. I know there's a lot of things that have happened in your life that you didn't choose. And I know sometimes the choice is made for you. It's like we said, Mary and Joseph, they didn't choose to go back to Bethlehem. They had to go back. The choice was made for them. But what I want to encourage you with today is that even if you're here and you feel like you don't have a family, even if you're here and, and there's things that have happened that you wouldn't have chosen, even if you felt abandoned and rejected, your family's gone. What I want to tell you is while you can't change your family, you can choose it. You can choose it. You can't change who your parents are. You can't change the kids that you have. You, you can't pick new relatives. Doesn't matter how many times you do 23andMe, you can't change your family tree. It is what it is. But what was profound to me in this passage is that Mary is traveling with Joseph to be counted with his family. But she isn't married. Let me read it to you. Verse 5 says, Joseph took Mary with him so that the Romans could count them. But she went because she had a promise. She had a promise. In other words, Mary's going with Joseph, but not because it's her family lineage. No, she's going because this is what she chose. And there's a powerful truth here for you and for me. It's that you can't change your family, but you can choose your future. Your family might be jacked up. I get it. Maybe what you were handed wasn't healthy. Maybe there are people who have left your life, but your family isn't where you were born. Your family is where you belong. Mary said, look, I might not have been born here, but I am choosing to go with you. And for everybody who's single, everybody who feels lonely, anybody who's ever felt abandoned by their blood, I want to tell you that you've got a new family in Jesus. You have a new bloodline called the blood of Christ. You have a new family called the family of God. And you might not be able to change your family, but you sure can choose your future. You can choose to have relationships and people in your life who love you and support you and pray for you and will journey with you and want to see you thrive and want to see you succeed and want to help you along the way. It all happens in the context of family. So don't let your past or your present 
define your future. Mary went because she had a promise. And you have a promise. In Christ, you have a promise. In fact, you have a whole book of promises called the Bible. You, you have a whole book of who God says you are and what it means to be part of this new family. And what I love about this passage is it's proof positive that you can have a new future. Because usually what you're born into follows you all of your life. Usually. I mean, we see it in the text. Joseph was born at Bethlehem, so he had to go back to his hometown. His hometown is called the city of David because David was born there. Usually what you're born into follows you all your life. But you know what I thought was interesting? Is Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But last I checked, he wasn't known as Jesus of Bethlehem. He was known as Jesus of Nazareth. And so just because you're born into something doesn't have to be the name that you carry all your life. You can have a new name. You can have a new future. And even Jesus eventually left Nazareth to go to Capernaum and chose 12 disciples. I'm just trying to help you see you can't change your family, but you can choose it. You can choose it. You can't change where you were born, but you can choose where you belong. You can choose the people who help you. You can choose the people in your life. And maybe there's some things that have happened that you wouldn't choose. Maybe there's some things that have happened that, that you wish wouldn't have happened. But you can choose who you journey with. And i got to be bold here for a minute because I know that there are some of you, you are going through this life and you are journeying alone. And you're wondering why you're frustrated and why you're not fulfilled. And the truth is, some of the stuff I'm saying to you, you know is hitting close to home because you know in your heart of hearts that you're jacked up, but yet you've been trying to keep people far enough away. You've been trying to hide what's in your heart so that people don't know the truth. I'm telling you, but what you got to see, everybody's got baggage. It's not just you. Everybody's got baggage. But family's there to help you carry it. See, this is what I learned this year is that I cannot be all things to all people all the time. I wish I could, but I can't. That's expecting perfection. And that is always going to cause me problems. But this is also the reason that I have a family. Because, you know, I can't be the perfect dad. I wish I could, but I can't. But you know what I realize? My kids have a pretty good mom. So in those moments where I can't be the perfect dad, because we're in a family, they've got a mom. And I wish I could give my kids all the attention all the time, but I can't. But you know what? They've got some siblings. It's one of the reasons we have them. The other reason is to make them work, but they've got some siblings <laughs> to do the things that I can't do. And you know, I, like, I wish... I could serve you as your pastor in all the ways that you need. That's my heart, but I can. But you know, we've got a pretty good team. We've got a really great team. <laughs> and sometimes there's stuff that I've got to do, and I feel like, man, this, I, like I cannot meet all of these demands. But I realize I don't have to carry everything. You see, this is why God puts us in families. To carry each other's burdens. Galatians 6.2 says it this way. It says, carry each other's burdens 
And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. It's God's heart for the family to carry each other's burdens. It's not how we read that verse, though. <laughs> I, I told you I like a lot of different translations. This, this, this is the incorrect translation that most of us read. Fix each other's faults, then you'll have perfection. That's what we're trying to do. We think that my job and the family is to fix your faults. What we think that my job and the family is to show you your shortcomings and point out your pitfalls. And what we end up doing is instead of carrying each other's burden, we end up adding to each other's burden. God's heart for the family is that we would carry each other's burden. And if you would just adopt this mindset, man, your family would change this season. This, my role is not to fix your faults or to show you your shortcomings. My role is to carry your burden. Now, I know it's hard to tell sometimes what you can carry and what you can't carry because you can't carry everything for everybody. That's expecting perfection. So how do you know what to carry? I want to give you a very, it never gets more practical than this. This is such a good sermon. I'm going to give myself an offering when I'm done. This it doesn't get more practical. Let me read this to you, Luke 2, verse 5. It says, Joseph took Mary. He took Mary with him so that the Romans could count them. She went because she had promised to marry him. She was going to have a baby. Here's the application. How do you know what to carry? Take what you can carry. Take what you can carry. You can't carry it all, but take what you can. Joseph took Mary because he knew someone was counting on him. It wasn't the Romans he was concerned about. No. It wasn't even Mary that he was concerned about. You see, initially, Joseph didn't even want to take Mary. He wanted to divorce her. When he found out she was pregnant, he said, I I'm out of here. But God sent an angel that appeared to Joseph and said, hey, you need to take her as your wife because what's in her is of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph said, all right. And what's, what's interesting, think about this. Everybody in this passage is carrying something. Think about Mary. Mary's carrying Jesus. She's carrying a baby. It wasn't easy. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't comfortable. But she had a word from God. So I, I, can, I can carry this. I, I, I can take this. I can carry this. What about Joseph? What was Joseph carrying? Well, when he took Mary as his wife, he took with her the shame that would have been associated with that situation. They weren't married yet. They're traveling back. She's very pregnant. He, he took the burden of that, knowing full well what the situation looked like, knowing full well what the rumors would be, knowing full well what people would be saying. He says, that's all right. I can carry this. Mary carried Jesus. Joseph carried Mary's shame. 
But you know, that's not the only two people. This is for the family. That's just a couple. It's a third person. In the womb, Jesus. What did he say? Well, Jesus carried our sin and our punishment because he's the only one who could. So when I'm saying take what you can carry, I'm telling you that somebody is counting on you to carry what they can't. That's why God puts us in families, to carry what you can't. No family's perfect. Stop expecting perfection. You can't be everything to everybody. It's not going to happen. But if you want to serve your family well in this season, take what you can carry. Because somebody's counting on you. Every man, woman, and child, there is something in this message for you. And kids, just take what you can carry. You, you can set the table. You can clear the dishes. You can take out the trash. Make your bed. Take what you can carry. Husbands, you, you can make dinner. Or in my case, buy dinner. Take, take what you can carry. You can do something. Every, whether you're a wife, son, daughter, parent, sibling, brother, sister, grandparent, all of us got something we can carry. We can put down the phone. We can listen. We can pick up the phone, make a phone call. I'm saying take what you can carry. You don't have to do it all, but just take what you can carry because someone is counting on you. God is counting on you to serve your family well and carry what they can.